Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Good morning, everyone. Good to have you here with us here today. And those who are online, we're thrilled to have you as well. Um, Let me have everybody stand real quick. Everybody stand. All rise. (laughs) Uh, All right, now find a whole bunch of people around you and greet them, say good morning to them. So go ahead and do that. Make your way around. If you're online, just stand up, greet those around you, spin around. If you're with somebody, if you're not with somebody, just high five the screen. You can do that. Whatever way works, whatever route. Okay, take your time, keep going online. We'll almost be back with you in a moment. All right, as we get to that awkward moment where you're like, okay, now you can go ahead and go back and sit down. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Hey, uh, uh, before we dive in, so Thursday was uh, Veterans Day, and so I want us to all just give a, um, you know, a, a thanks and a shout out to all of those at LifePoint who faithfully served uh, our country. So can we just thank those who are veterans in our church? Thank you to all those who have served. Amen. Praise God for those who have who've served. Uh, my father uh, uh, is a vet, or was a vet, and uh, he served in Vietnam, and, and Vietnam really took its toll on him, and he was one of those vets who suffered in a lot of different ways, physically and mentally, emotionally, and God eventually saved him and, and did a good work in him all the way through uh, his last days where he went to be with the Lord. Um, but uh, my dad just had some quirks, and some of it, you know, whether that was his experiences, whether it's partially who he was, but we, we would joke a lot about my dad, and, and uh, he was just kind of a little bit nuts. And, and a little bit crazy, and, and he, he, would, he would press into that, and it, it, when I was a teenager, it didn't help me, and I would clash against it and fight against it, and I had a friend here at actually a church who helped me appreciate my dad's craziness and, and how he was nuts and all that, and, and uh, my dad used to say to us, we'd, go, we'd be like, Dad, as he got older, we'd be like, Dad, man, you're seriously nuts, and, and, and my dad used to say this, and maybe you've heard this line before, he'd say, I know you guys think I'm crazy, but the voices in my head disagree. (laughs) Uh, I'll imagine that we all have voices in our heads. And I I don't know about you, but I know the voices in my head, they are constantly telling me what I'm not. They're constantly telling me, and this might be true of you too, that, you know, I'm not smart enough. I'm not quick enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not healthy enough, or wise enough, or compassionate enough, or loving enough, or caring enough, or, or pastoral enough. And then I add on top of that uh, the mistakes that I've made, and those voices get louder, reminding me of my failures and reminding me of my faults, all the ways that I don't measure up. Then add on top of that culture. Our culture is constantly coming up with ways of telling us that we don't look a certain way, that we're the way we should look. We don't act the way we should act. We don't believe the way we should believe. Culture is constantly reminding me and reminding you, I don't measure up. And 
These voices are constantly trying to get me to label myself, to, to label myself, to have an identity based on a particular label. And I think you figure this out, right? Culture loves labels, right? We love to categorize people. And, and within these different categories, there's a whole bunch of labels or, you know, sub-labels, if you will, within the categories. I think about the various categories. You can think about, there's categories like a, like a gender cal- a, a category, and it used to be, Scripture says, God created male and female, and now there's all these other labels of genders, and, and there's race labels or categories, there's religious labels, there's intelligence labels, there's income labels, and, and physically our weight labels, there's, you know, what your interests are, and you might be labeled according to your interests. There's political party labels, and now there's COVID-related labels. And so we're all walking around with voices in our heads that are trying to convince us that we are these things, that we are these labels, that this is who we are, this is our identity. And unfortunately, Christians don't seem to be helping with the messaging. Man, unfortunately, Christians could be just as brutal with our labels. Christians could be just as brutal with our our judgment or our finger pointing. And we're told the church is the hope of the world and that the gospel is the good news. But if it's such great news, why do I feel so beaten down, even by Christians? And maybe you've experienced that yourself. And so the question is for us this morning, with all of these voices, with all of this messaging, how am I supposed to feel about myself? How am I supposed to think about myself? Perhaps even more importantly, how does God think about us? How does God see us? How does God view us? And that's what we want to talk about this morning as we continue in our series in Ephesians, as the Apostle Paul is going to speak on this all-important topic of, of, of identity and worth and value and labels. So let's look at what he says. We're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And he's going to say in verse 10, he says this. He says that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, that word workmanship is the Greek word poema. And that means uh, handiwork. That means creation. That means masterpiece. That means artwork. Poema is where we get our word poem. And Paul says that we are God's poem, that we are God's work of art. And, and, and now this word poem is only used, poema is only used two times in the New Testament, in Ephesians here, chapter two, but also in, in Romans chapter one. And in Romans chapter one, it says this, Paul writes and he says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been, from what has been what? What has been made, that's poema, so that men are without excuse. Paul says God made, God created, God poemed, if you will, the physical world in such a way that when you and I actually observe it, when we pay attention to it, that you can know that it was created by a divine being. And because of that, we actually, Paul says, we have no excuse 
for not believing in God. Psalm chapter 119 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky displays what his hands have made. I just wonder, do you ever pause to pay attention to the wonder of God, to what he has created? I know I do. And man, I look at nature and and what has been created and it takes my breath away. The complexity, the beauty, the variety, the creativity of creation that I know that there is a divine, intelligent designer. That any thinking, rational, intelligently curious person would pursue this and and could not conclude that it came about by random chance because the Bible clearly teaches that the physical universe and all that is in it, including our world, it's a work of an artist. It's like God said, I'm going to make the universe, I'm going to make the solar system, I'm going to make the galaxies, I'm going to make earth I'm going to create it in such a way and I'm going to make it so beautiful and so awe-inspiring that there will be something inside every single person that they say, it can't be an accident. There has to be a designer. There has to be a creator. And so this same word that is used to describe what you and I see that takes our breath away, this same word that, that, that is God's poema that God is creating. He has created uh, a nature. He is God's writing, if you will. The same word is used here in Ephesians. And Paul says that you and I, you and me, we are God's artwork. We are God's poema. His work of art. His masterpiece. And the text then goes on and it says that we are God's workmanship, God's poema, created in Christ Jesus. That word created is very interesting. The Apostle Paul, who writes this, he was a, 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 before he was a Christ father, he was a Jewish rabbi. And he, and he uses here the Greek word kitzo, but he's borrowing from a Hebrew word for the word created, which is the Hebrew word bara. Bara. And the word, Hebrew word bara means the creative energy of God alone. That God alone is the one bara, God creates, and it's only used of God creating. It's never used of, of mankind creating. For example, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, in the beginning, God what? What does it say? God created. That's God bara, the heavens and the earth. Verse 27, so God created, God bara, man in his own image, in the image of God, he bara him, male and female, he bara them. So this word is used in describing God's creative energy, God alone creating this physical realm and then creating human beings, that we are not a random chance. That is God who did it. But if you're like me, you pause from time to time and you have this sense of, yeah, I hear this pastor that God created me, but man, I'm not sure, so sure I'm living up to everything I was created to be. And the voices start speaking into my head and, and I realize that, man, I say things that I wish I could have back. What was I thinking when I said that? I, I, I do things that I wish I could have those moments back that, that I'm not proud of. 
that, that I think things, that if it were to be put up on the screen what I think, that it would be embarrassing. There's this sense that I feel, that I think we all feel, that even though we're created, that, that we fall short. We fall short in some way, and Scripture, by the way, confirms this. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says this, for all have sinned and what? All have sinned and what? And fall short of God's glorious standard. In other words, it is true. We have fallen short of God's standard. We've fallen short of what we are created to be. Why? This passage says, because of our sin, sin, it literally means that we have missed the mark with God. We have missed the mark with God. We have come up short of his holy standard. And so, God created us. We are his handiwork. Sin came in. It messed up the beauty and the perfection of what God created. And we have fallen short of God's intentions for our lives, God's plans for our life. Why? Because of our sin. And if you're a Jesus follower, you know that's not the end of the story. That's not the end. Scripture teaches that God decided that he was going to do something about this falling short problem that we have, that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to address our sin problem, our fall short problem, that Jesus would take our sin, our falling short, upon himself as the perfect sacrifice in place of our sin, and that anyone who would receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior would be forgiven of all the ways that they fall short, all the ways that they sin and that they fall short of God's original intent and original purpose of his creation. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so the reason the cross of Jesus Christ is so central to our lives is because God is telling us, I know all the ways you fall short. I see all the ways that you've messed up. I see all of your mistakes. I see all your sins, but I don't hold it against you. And I've provided you a way out. Jesus will take care of your sin problem. He'll take care of your fall short problem. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he's telling us, God is, is in the creating, or really more like the recreating business, that he takes you and I, broken, falled, fallen, depraved, sinful humanity, and he creates us or he recreates us in Christ Jesus. And it's through Jesus and it's in Jesus that we no longer fall short. It is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so to be a follower of Jesus is to be God's poema, God's artwork, that we have been created by his power alone in Christ Jesus. And notice what he goes on to say in verse 10. He says we have been created in Christ Jesus for a purpose. He says we've been created in Christ Jesus for good deeds. In other words, God has a purpose for what he's created in each one of us. And then he says this, Paul actually decided, or God actually decided this in advance. He predecided that he would take his original creation that he knew would fall, that would fall short, that would sin, and he would recreate us in Christ Jesus to be what God wants us to be, to do what God wants us to do. And that recreation in Christ, uh, the gospel writers talk about that and say that was the mystery of God. 
That God was the only one who knew about what he was eventually going to do with fallen sinful humanity. That he was going to send himself in the person of Jesus Christ. That was the mystery of God in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you're catching it, but the Apostle Paul is basically saying to us, you're God's work. You're God's work. Or as I like to say it, you're a piece of work. You're a piece of work. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, you're a piece of work. Turn to them right now. Say it. I want everybody to say it to someone. Say, you're a piece of work. Say it to someone. Come on. You know this is therapy, right? You've been waiting to say this a long time. <laughs> In Jesus, you're a new piece of work. I think that's great. You're a piece of work. His piece. You're his masterpiece. And Paul says something about this piece of work that, you, that is you and I. He says in Philippians chapter 1 that this God who began this poem, this masterpiece, this piece of art, this God who began this good work in you, that he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, being a, a Jesus follower doesn't mean that we have it all together because of our good deeds, because of our merit, because of what we have done. It means I understand and know and receive that God is doing something in me. He is doing a good work inside of me. He's doing a new work in me. He's creating me. He is recreating me as his masterpiece. And when he looks at me and when he looks at you, he sees his piece of art. You're worthy. You're worthy. Not because of what you have done, not because of what I have done, but because of him, he has made us worthy in Christ Jesus. And don't miss this. Because we have been made worthy, we have been created or recreated, he invites us to a new type of life. And I want you to hear Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says it this way. He says, I urge you, in light of you're a new creation in Christ, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I live, urge you to live a life worthy. Say the word worthy. To live a life worthy of the calling you've received. That you have been recreated. This, you're, you're worthy, not because of you, but because of what he's done. And so now, live out a worthy life. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it, he says it this way. He says, you're taught with regard to your former way of life to put, your old, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And notice this, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Your new self, God said, I'm creating, I'm recreating you to be like me. So put on your new self. Change your clothes, right? No, don't, no longer living in the clothes of, of, of being sinful and fallen in your own sinful ways, but wearing these new clothes of righteousness and holiness. And so since you and I are a new self, what does that mean? What does that mean for us? Well, it means simply this. We are not who we were. All those voices, all those labels, all those categories, we are not who we were. Before, I was fundamentally identified as a fallen, sinful human. But when I trust this story, I realize that I am a new self. I am a new creation, that God is working in me. So what does this mean if you're a follower of Jesus? Well, it means a few different things. First of all, what does it mean? It means if you're a Jesus follower and if you identify yourself first and foremost as a sinner, you're missing it. 
You're not in line with what Scripture teaches. See, I was a sinner. That was my identity. That was my old identity. But now, you and I, if you're in Christ, you are a forgiven child of God. That is your new identity. You and I have a new identity. We've been recreated in Christ. We have a new self. And so any form or forms of Christianity that is focused on or built upon how, you know, you don't measure up or I don't measure up or how we don't fit or fit in, that's just not being true to Scripture. Scripture says you've been born again. When God sees you, he sees Jesus. And the reality is, yes, we are good enough because we are good enough in Christ Jesus, that God looks at us through Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean we don't still stumble and sin on this side of heaven. But it does mean that our fundamental identity has changed and it no longer has to revolve around, you know, any form of merit-based goodness. That's gone. My identity is not based on what I do. It's not based on what I've done, that I'm a sinner, but rather I'm a redeemed member of the family of God. Any shame-based theology, any theology that is trying to push us down. And to be clear, I'm not talking about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will speak to us and it'll call us to attention and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, you're you're a little out of whack and you're not in line with the holiness of God. And the Holy Spirit will convict us and call us to holiness. I'm not talking specifically about that. I'm talking about anyone or any person or any theology or institution that attempts to manipulate us or constantly remind us how bad we are. That's not the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is not from God. Because God says you're new. You're recreated in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Living a life worthy of the calling. So, living a life worthy of the calling is not some person, preacher, teacher, anybody pointing fingers and saying, live a life worthy of the... That's not what it is. It's saying... You're recreated. You're a new creation. And so God's inviting us, live a life worthy of that calling. And so that is God reaching out to us and saying, listen, this is a new way. This is my new work in you. And I'm inviting you to step into that. It's an entirely different perspective on how we view the language of live a life worthy of our calling. Man, when people first heard the, the, the news of Jesus and that he saves and that he recreates us and makes us news, it was called good news because it was and it still is. God says to you and I, I've dealt with every single voice in your head. I've dealt with every single label. I've dealt with all of those identities that have come your way. Every single voice you hear, that's over, that's done, that's dead, that's gone. You're my poema, you're my workmanship, you're my piece of work, you are my artwork. And so when I see you, God says, when I look at you, I see something beautiful. Not wrecked and destroyed. Something beautiful. Because you're now in Christ. Any voice that says you aren't enough fill in the blank. You're not enough this. You're not enough that. Those aren't voices from God. And the great news is God just recreated us in Christ. So you know, and I, we don't have to listen to those voices anymore. I think the apostle Paul was the most clear about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
when he said it this way in verse 17. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? Let's say it out loud. Anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And all of this is from ourselves and our efforts. That's not what it says. It's all from it's all from God. He's the one doing it. He's the one who has created us new. And so here's what it means. When you and I trust this telling of our story, when we trust the gospel, it means our fundamental identity has now shifted. The labels are gone. And so I want to ask you, in light of what Paul, the Apostle Paul is telling us this morning, who or whom or what do you identify with most and first. I want you to think about that for a moment. Who or what have you, have you and are you or have you been identifying with first and foremost? What voices do you listen to? See, I think there's a lot of people who identify first and foremost as an American, that that's their primary identity. That there's a lot of people who identify first and foremost uh, by, their, by their party uh, political affiliation. That there's some people who identify first and foremost that their identity is wrapped up in their field of work. And then there's others. They are first and foremost identifying themselves by the role that they play, whether they're a spouse, a mom, a dad, a friend, an athlete, whatever the case may be. And in our current environment, there are now people who are identifying first and foremost based on their COVID response or their COVID perspective, pro-vax, anti-vax, pro-mask, anti-mask, pro-mandate, anti-mandate. Their fundamental identity is wrapped up in their COVID response and perspective. Now listen, I know, I know a lot of you. I know your words. I know some of your posts. I know what some of you talk about. I know some of your behaviors. See, I can't help but wonder, is it possible if some of us, if we're going to get real with ourselves, that I just mentioned for some of you that list is your primary identity, that there's something on that list that you're like, man, if I'm getting real, that is my primary identity because the truth is your fruit bears it out. But man, when you and I understand and grasp what Paul is telling us today, you recognize that all those identities, all those labels are secondary or perhaps even irrelevant in our lives. Because when I embrace my painting that is me, and you embrace the painting that is you, that God is creating, that you are his artwork, that I'm his artwork, created in Christ Jesus, then my identity in Christ dictates to all those other labels and identities. Are you tracking with me? As a Christ follower, if you embrace Jesus Christ, first and foremost, 
that you're a child of God, that you're a Jesus follower, that you're forgiven, that you're saved, sanctified, justified, you're a family member of the family of God, of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that you're worthy because of him and him alone, and you're free because of him alone, and you're safe because of him alone, and you're secure because of him alone, and you're provided for because of him alone. When that's what you recognize as your identity, all of those other identities and labels get pushed aside. They come under the authority of your label as a Jesus follower. So I ask you the question, how are you going to give God the most glory in your life as a Jesus follower, as somebody who identifies first and foremost as a child of God? How will God get the most glory in your life? It's real simple. You be you. You be you, the you God created you to be. You're not the person sitting next to you or behind you or in front of you. You're not all those people that you look through when you're scrolling through Instagram or you're on Facebook. You're not those, you're you. And God created you. And he's the one doing this amazing, incredible work. And he's looking at you and he's saying, you are beautiful and I'm doing this work. And trust me, trust me, I began it, God says, and I will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So step into who I've made you to be, who I've called you to be. That's how you live a life worthy of the calling. And as you do that, as you step into you, the you that God is creating, as you step into that, Paul says, here's what that looks like practically. Paul said in Ephesians chapter four, verse two, he said, here's how you do it. Here's how you be you. He said, be completely humble and gentle be patient, bearing with one another in love, and make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, here's the crazy thing. I think most of us accept that God is working on us, right? You know that God is working on you. I know that God is working on me. But how, oft, how often do we expect and treat others like God is already finished with them, and we don't like what we see? right? We, hey, God's working on me, but I expect that God to be done with them. And I'm not liking it. We expect them to be gracious, grace-filled, perfect. And when they don't measure up, rather than trying to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, man, we divide. We get critical. We get judgmental. And it sometimes gets rampant in Christianity. And God says, there's just no place for that. God says, I'm doing the work. He says, I'm the artist. And when you're not patient, when you're not humble, when you're not gracious and grace-filled, when you're judgmental and you're critical of, God says, of my work in progress, that's an affront and an attack on me. You're not attacking them, God says. You're attacking me. So Paul said, make every effort, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, not by demanding our rights, not by lording it over others, but through humility and gentleness and patience. And he said this, bearing with one another in love. Man, <laughs> bearing with one another. That's the Jesus way. So I would suggest to you, the only labels worth keeping, the only voices worth listening to, are that you're God's artwork. That you are God's handiwork that you're a new creation, that you're a Jesus follower. 
A lot of times we'll say, hey, I'm a Jesus follower first. I'm a Jesus follower. That's it. That's all I am. And God's doing his good work in me. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. The voices, the voices. It's endless telling us what we are and what we aren't, how we don't measure up. And we have these voices in our head and they're saying all of this, but if you will turn to Ephesians 2 and say over and over and over, I am God's artwork, I am God's masterpiece, I'm God's creation. He's creating in me a good work and he will carry it on to completion. And the Lord will get the most glory in my life when I be the, the me that God has created me to be. Will you step into who God is creating you to be? You are his masterpiece and you're beautiful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, I hear a message like today, I speak a message like this, God, as you've even worked on me. God, I'm tired of listening to the voices. God, I'm tired of getting wrapped up in the various identities. And so I thank you, Lord, for drawing our attention to the only voice that matters, that's you, the only identity that matters, we're your piece of art, that we're your workmanship. So God, I pray you'd help each one of us step into that more and more. God, help us to embrace who you've called us to be and who you've created us to be. God, help us to distance ourselves from those voices and to lift your name up. We bless you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, for making us who you've made us. Help us to step into that. If you're here this morning and you aren't yet a child of God, and you don't have the hope of heaven yet. And if I were to ask you, if you die today, where would you go? And you say, I'm not sure. You can have that confidence right now. Jesus will come into your life. He will save you from your sins and your fall short problem. And he will begin to create in you this masterpiece. If you would like to be saved and give your life to Jesus Christ, I'm gonna invite you to do that right now. And it's not even these exact words that I'm gonna ask you to pray, but it's more that you would mean it in your heart. So would you pray something like this right now? If you're ready to say, Jesus, my life is yours, just say something like this. Say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being willing to address my sin problem and my fall short problem. Thank you for being a perfect sacrifice, dying in my place so that I could be forgiven so that I can live eternally. So Jesus, as best as I understand, right now I just, I surrender my life to you. I give my life over to you in faith, choosing no longer to live for myself, but to live for you. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. I trust you with my life as you begin to recreate me to who you want me to be. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, God, would you hear each and every one of these prayers. We bless you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, for your great work in each one of us. And we pray this in Jesus' name.
We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.